All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is finally here. NFL season starts tonight. We got Bills and Rams showdown going on here tonight. Looking forward to it. Very excited uh, to talk a little bit of, of strategy for that game. If we have some questions about it, uh, maybe talk a little bit of NFL main slate strategy. So we'll go ahead and get right into it here in just a moment. Uh, first things first, though, before we get started, if you are watching this stream for the first time, welcome. Uh, thanks for tuning in. My name is Jordan. I'm the head coach here at Sabersim. And on office hours, I answer questions from our community about how to use Sabersim to build better DFS lineups. Uh, so if you have questions for me uh, and you're watching here live, you can post them into the YouTube chat. You can also post them into our new Discord, which more on that in just a moment. We are moving away from Slack and onto Discord. And if you catch the recording of this stream instead or the podcast version of the show and you have a question you'd like to ask me, uh, you can ask via email, support at sabersim.com. Before we dive too far into questions here today, uh, I do have a couple announcements and just things that I want to point out, bring to everybody's attention. First of all, uh, NFL-focused content. We're starting to fill this out here on the YouTube channel. A uh, couple good videos here, front and center, uh, right up at the top of the YouTube channel. First of all, yesterday's stream, we spent like 45 minutes diving into showdown strategy. I'm sure there'll be more questions here today, but definitely check that out. Uh, whether you are new to uh, NFL showdown or you've been playing for a while, uh, good just kind of overview of what you need to think about. And in particular, what you need to think about when you're using SaberSim, because the way we do our simulations changes the way that you should be thinking about NFL showdown. Uh, also, a very good uh, video here with Will and Eric that we did earlier this week week uh, about the NFL model. So if you're curious, and, and, and the sim, if you're curious about learning more about how an NFL sim actually works, how our NFL sim works, uh, definitely go check that. That was a fun conversation with those guys. And I recorded a very quick video yesterday, five minutes long, uh, an overview of what I would say are the big highlights of everything that has changed in the past year on SaberSim. So I know there's a lot of you guys out there, uh, NFL only or NFL NBA only coming back for the first time since February or since April or something like that. Um, We've changed a lot. There's a lot of really cool new features, a lot of new power in SaberSim. This five-minute video, well, I guess I keep saying five minutes, almost six-minute video uh, is a quick summary of everything that I think is like the most important parts of that. So definitely go check that out. Uh, another announcement, we are bringing back the Weekly Max Challenge this year. People loved this last year. Uh, if you don't know what this is, we're literally just giving away free stuff for playing the contests and playing NFL DFS like you would have anyway. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff in here. There's a lot of value overall. Uh, free SaberSim, SaberSim swag, uh, Yeti gear. There's a $400 uh, value Yeti cooler here that you get for free as long as you participate in this all 18 weeks. Uh, so this is an awesome uh, thing to get joined up into. I will post a link to this landing page if you are not already in it. Uh, in SLA, in let's do Discord, and we'll do uh, the YouTube chat just to make sure that you can get joined up here. It is super easy to participate in this too. All you need to do is use the Saberson logo as your DraftKings avatar. It takes two seconds. All you need to do is uh, sign up for the contest with this Google form. It takes maybe one minute. And then play the NFL Sunday main slate, max out the mini max. Takes just a couple seconds to enter that contest. And I, I, we all know we're all playing uh, NFL DFS on Sunday anyway. So um, then you'll get an opportunity. If you finish first out of this contest, you get some gear. If you win it, we'll, we'll send you an awesome uh, championship belt. Again, you get guaranteed prizes just for participating in this every single week. Even if you just enter dud lineups every week, which hopefully you don't, uh, you still get the chance to win some awesome merch. So definitely join the weekly max challenge if if you haven't already. So uh, last announcement here uh, before we get started and jump into questions is I mentioned it at the start, Discord. Uh, we are moving our chat community over to Discord over, I would say, the next week or so. Um, that rollout basically started yesterday. So if you're already in Slack, there's a link to join in the general channel in Slack. Uh, our community gets bigger and bigger literally every day. Uh, if you have been with SaberSim for the past few years, uh, the size of our Slack community has basically quadrupled or more. Uh, it might even be like 8x growth uh, in the Slack community. And we think Discord is just a better platform for what we're trying to do with the chat community going forward. So we're moving everybody over there. Uh, we're saying goodbye to Slack. So definitely get over to Discord. Uh, again, we'll slowly be, well, I don't even want to say too slowly, but we'll be kind of doing that transition here over the next week. Uh, already today here, 
I did my stream announcements in Discord instead of Slack. That will be the same going forward and we'll slowly be saying goodbye to Slack. So on that note today, I am going to prioritize two things really for answering questions. So the first is I'm going to focus on questions asked in Discord first. I'm also going to focus on questions asked about NFL first, because I know there will probably be a lot of questions uh, on the NFL side of things as we head into week one. So we're going to focus on Discord questions first. We're going to focus on NFL questions first. So if you have questions for me, uh, try to ask them in Discord if you're already in there. And let's try to focus on NFL, at least for the start of the show here, so people can get their questions answered and we'll go from there. So let's do it. Okay. Uh, first things first, I think this is actually a really good way to get started. This is from Cusp Love here um, about late swap. So actually NFL main slate kind of stuff here. Um, question says, Jordan, I'm wondering if you could do a simulation for this Sunday main of how you'd handle any late swap before the afternoon wave starts. Do you automatically do it or just based on injury news? I'd like to have some practice before Sunday rolls around. Thanks. Yeah. So this is a good one. Let's do a practice here. So NFL late swap is probably, I would say in terms of impact, right, of the way of the overall impact that it has on the sport, it is probably less impactful on a slate to slate basis than NBA, which is late swap is crucial. I think it's like maybe the number one edge in NBA. Uh, and it's basically a must have every night. Uh, but it's more impactful than MLB, where I would say you're you're mostly just looking to make sure that you're like nobody's getting scratched, getting them out of your lineups while maintaining correlation where possible. Like that's that's basically MLB. It's kind of in between those two. Uh, there and, and it's on a spectrum from there. There are NFL late swaps that I think are a little bit closer to MLB where it's like, eh, kind of a no-name guy, not a very important guy, just want to make sure I don't have him in my lineups too. A starting running back on a good team in a great situation is now out. And now we have this elite value opened up. So... The, the fundamental way I think about actually doing my late swaps for NFL on SaberSim is I typically want to take the minimum, trying to think about the right way to put this. I want to take like the minimum effort, right? The minimum effective method of addressing the late swap situation. I want to maximize the amount of EV I get with the minimum amount of effort. One of that, one of the reasons for that is just efficiency, like time, right? You don't want to, you don't want to do something that is uh, way inefficient or takes way more time when you could do something faster, but also because of the way that late swap works, right? When you rebuild a lineup on SaberSim using late swap, it rebuilds it one time, right? When you build your lineups before lock on SaberSim, you're building a big pool of lineups and selecting the best lineups out of that. So anytime you late swap on a given slate with, with SaberSim, you are going to slightly increase the variance of your lineups just a bit. That's something that we actually want to address in the future. But for now, you, you slightly increase the variance of your lineup. So I don't want to fully rebuild lineups if I can avoid it. So here's basically, here's kind of the flow chart that I ultimately use here of how I go about doing this. So first things first, I wonder if, let's see. Let's actually, so I have an entries file loaded in here. Let's build some lineups and enter them and actually do it exactly as you said and run essentially a sim uh, of what we would do in different situations. So this is going to be, uh, I think I'm just entered into the quarter jukebox. So we'll quickly build 20 lineups here. And then what we'll do is we'll pretend that a variety of different situations happen uh, after lock and that we have to, um, we have to, account for them. One other thing I'll mention is um, when you were building your lineups before lock and you're heading into the, uh, the the Sunday slate, there's less surprises overall in NFL too. It happens sometimes, but I would say it's, it's rarer to have a surprise scratch like you have an NBA. So keep an eye on questionable players that you're playing, especially questionable players playing in the, actually, I should have mentioned this right from the start, right? If you're, if you're brand new to NFL, there's, there's only one late swap window really. And it's uh, after the early games have locked, but before the afternoon games have started and after typically after the afternoon games inactive report has come out. Uh, the other thing about that is you, you'll typically, I, I would say you're generally not going to be totally blindsided by late swap news. Like a player will be questionable heading into the early games. You're going to play them, include them in your pool. They're playing in the afternoon games. And then later you might find out that they got ruled out, right? That's typically a little bit more of the way it happens here. So we don't need our full pool of lineups. We'll just go ahead and work with these 20 and go from there. Okay. So this is going to be our entries file, right? So we're, we're, we're playing like this. So situation one here, and probably the most important situation on the slate or the most important thing that can happen is a, is a key running back gets ruled out, 
right? And the reason why I think that is like the number one key situation, we have a ton of Saquon Barkley in our pool. The reason why I think that is such a key situation is because not only does that player get ruled out, but it also opens up tremendous value elsewhere on the team, right? If now, fingers crossed this doesn't happen because I'm so excited for Saquon Barkley this year, and he's not even questionable, so I think we're okay. But if Saquon got surprise scratched heading into these afternoon games, not only is he out, but Matt Breida becomes probably like a spectacular value, one of the best plays probably on the slate. Uh, and it's not just a concern about us getting Saquon out of the lineups he's in. We probably want way more Matt Breida in our lineup. So when something like this happens, I'm typically late swapping everything, right? I'm going in and I'm running a late swap build and I'm rebuilding all of my lineups, right? So actually, wait, whoops, sorry. So I'm late swapping 20 lineups and I'm doing it like this because now I'm going to want to get to a ton of Breida, right? So this is kind of like situation one where I want to rebuild and we'll see. I actually kind of want to let this run for just a second here to see how much Brita I actually end up getting to. Um, but I bet it's going to be a ton, right? So I want to rebuild all 20. So I'll let this build for a second here and we'll see what we get out of this and go from there. And I wonder... Okay, so actually we ended up getting we ended up getting to some breed. Less than I actually personally would have expected. I guess I didn't really pump up his projection that much. 12 points like isn't super great and it's a he's actually also not that not super super cheap uh and it's a week where everybody's cheap. So, whatever. Point being though, we wanted to get to some breed, so now we we late swapped and rebuilt and got to breed. Uh situations where like a star wide receiver or even like a a quarterback has gotten ruled out uh, typically very much dramatically affects that particular game, but it's not exactly the same situation where you have this new brand new elite value on the team. Um, even in the case where it's like a stud wide receiver that, that will often improve the projections of the other pass catchers on the team. But that also has a like downward effect on the overall value of the team where like the team's team total will also come down. And I found that that often kind of balances things out. So if we have a situation instead where it's like a starting wide receiver, that gets ruled out or something like that. Instead, what I typically want to do is late swap, but only late swap can out lineups containing out players. Uh, and that will just rebuild. So in this case, um, let's say, uh, I don't even remember who I have exposure to. I probably have some exposure to like, I don't know. Let's, oh, Rondale Moore would be a good example, right? If Rondale Moore gets ruled out, right? I don't want to necessarily rebuild every single lineup to account for that news. I think Marquise Brown probably gets a little boost. Zach Ertz probably gets a little boost, assuming he's playing. These guys get like slight boost, but it doesn't completely change the context of that game. And I'm just going to instead late swap, but I'm going to late swap only my Rondale Moore lineups. So I'll do it this way instead, where late swap six lineups down here. Then finally, the last situation is I would say when it's like, Basically anything else, right? There's always going to be an inactives report before the afternoon games. Uh, just most, sometimes it's just not a very impactful player that, that gets ruled out. Uh, for all other situations, I would just use the quick swap and just make sure that I don't have any players that are out in my lineups. And generally, probably just swap to the best available team, right? If you had, you know, let's say you're playing 150 and you're playing in the Millie Maker, so you're, you're playing like some pretty diverse lineups. And let's say you hypothetically have... I don't even know one Joshua Palmer lineup where you've paired him with Herbert to take advantage of this game. And it ends up that Palmer doesn't play or something like that. At that point, I would probably just quick swap to the next best available player uh, and, and get the best overall projected player I can get in there. Um, if you are unsure, if I have left you confused and you're like, geez, I don't know how to assess whether a player is an impactful player in my lineups. I just want to make sure I'm not playing zeros. I would say you are better off just running the late swap, right? Like just late swap every single time before the afternoon games and you're you're going to be fine. It'll your your lineups will work out well anyway. If you follow the NFL, have a little bit of a better sense of the impact these players have on a given team or your lineups overall, that's when I think you can break out the flow chart there and get a little bit more granular. Um so but that is basically how I think about it. And I think uh, that was kind of a good informal walkthrough of that. My plan is to basically record a video explaining that exact flowchart again, uh, but with um, probably, oh, that was why that build took a long time. I have a bunch of minimum exposure set here from, from 
something else I was doing. I want to put out a video basically explaining that and, and probably have maybe like a flow chart up on the screen that can explain it a little bit more. So maybe we'll do that in the future, but okie dokie. Let's keep it going. Um, Tim said, has a question here. Uh, and said, hey, Jordan, posted in Slack first. Uh, NFL full roster slate. So main slates, do you still use research builds? If so, are the settings for NFL 0010? Yeah, I think uh, research builds work pretty good in NFL. Um, so what this build would look like is you would go like this, right? And you would build 1,500 of these. Uh, and I typically recommend turning salary to zero and leaving max salary where it is. The goal of this build for people that don't know what this is, this is not what you would actually build for your lineups, right? I'm not saying this is your final lineups. This is for research. What you'll basically do is you'll say, hey, SaberSim, simulate out how the slate could play out 1,500 times and then give me the optimal lineup for each of those 1,500 sims. Uh, and because in NFL contests are so big, right? You typically are going to need a very high percentile score to win a contest. I think the research build actually works pretty good. So I do, I, I would recommend using it uh, if you're interested in maybe trying to figure out how to get a little bit of an ownership edge. That's typically what I use it for. Uh, the main things I like to do is see who the chalk is going to be and how often that player is showing up in the optimal lineup. Uh, in NFL, I would say most frequently the bad chalk, if I had to summarize it, uh, is the very cheap value chalk. Um, a guy like, and I don't know how we have his ownership projected right now. Let's see. So we're not very high on the ownership right now. Um, I do think uh, Wandale Robinson on the Giants is likelier to be quite a bit chalkier than this. Um, he is the stone minimum. It seems like he is locked into the wide receiver role for the Giants. Uh, and it seems like a play that people are going to get to quite a bit. Um, I would at least expect him to get up to maybe closer to like 10% ownership. I think he could be a little bit chalkier there, especially also on a slate where Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey and Travis Kelsey are going to be so popular and expensive. Um, I think cheap wide receiver is where people are going to go. So a lot of times what, uh, what I'm trying to say here is that value chalk is the chalk that I am most cautious of when it comes to uh, NFL. Um, I think uh, it kind of depends. Uh, actually, let me, let me, let me qualify that. Uh, value value chalk for a player that can't get the ball to themselves uh, is what I'm careful of. So cheap, chalky tight ends and wide receivers often are a little bit of a red flag for me. Uh, cheap, chalky running backs often, I think, can actually be pretty good plays. And occasionally the cheap, chalky uh, quarterback sometimes works out as well because those, those players are not as much reliant on somebody else to get them the ball. But uh, anyway, cheap, chalky running, cheap, chalky wide receivers, I'm a little bit cautious of. So uh, I see a bunch more people have joined into the stream here now. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I will get to questions in YouTube chat and Slack here shortly. We are prioritizing first today uh, the questions that have been posted in our new Discord channel. Um, so if you're not already in Discord, definitely get joined up there. Uh, a question from Zen Tiger here. Everybody's names are changed. I don't recognize any of these names now that we're over in Discord. Uh, it says, a follow-up to my advanced stacking question from yesterday. If I if under edit teams, I uncheck my bring back team, for example, okay, for example, Green Bay, Minnesota on a QB plus two minus one. In this case, Minnesota, will the builder still bring back min Minnesota players? So let's hop over to our team stacks. So I'm, I think I'm understanding this correctly, that you are... Let's see. Uh, wait, I'm a little, I'm okay. I'm a little confused. I think maybe you're talking about the advanced stackings over here. So under rules, advanced stacking here, all lineups might include, I think here, here's what I would do. If you want bringbacks, so like if you want a QB plus two um, and two wide receivers, and then you want a bringback here, then you can go ahead and say like bring back wide receiver or tight end there. Uh, and if you are specifically only trying to stack Green Bay there and you want to just do a Green Bay build, you could just say only Green Bay will follow this rule and do it that way here. Um, you can use the new stacking rules this way. So if you wanted to say like, um, there's a few different ways you could do this. So if you wanted to do like Green Bay, let me try to close some of this stuff so you can actually see what I'm doing here. So let's say you want... Um, a Green Bay two stack with a one run back, right? So you would say Green Bay minimum players three uh, and your minimum exposure to that rule, maybe you have 25%, right? Um, if you want 100% of those to be Green Bay QB, or you want to be 100% of those, you want to run back, then I would change that into stacks over here. 
So I would go through and maybe uncheck your stacks and only check the builds, maybe QB plus two slash one, right? That's the only stack that you're actually going to play there. So uh, to be completely honest, this is a new feature. This is a new section of the app. I'm still getting a little familiar with this overall as well. I actually haven't like used it live for my lineups yet. Um, so for now, I'm still a little bit more comfortable using the old stacking rules, but I'm trying to get a little bit more familiar with these and get used to these here. So I know there's a couple other questions in our queue about these stack rules as well. Um, we'll, we'll do our best here to, to learn these together here as we go forward. But obviously there's like a ton of different combinations for all of this stuff. So, uh, kind of figuring this out, figuring this out as we go. Um, but, uh, Rogue has a question here for showdown and says, Hey, Jordan for FanDuel showdowns is the rule of not maxing your salary for an edge still apply. The default slider is 59.9. Curious if that still holds true for NFL. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, the, the, the salary is like basically just kind of a nice blunt tool to avoid getting duped a little bit, right? So the reason we default this down 100 is that there's, I mean, there's literally hundreds of thousands of good showdown lineups you can build. Most people using traditional optimizers or building by hand will overweight the value of using all of their salary compared to how often that's optimal. So this is just in contests that are really big, like you get in NFL showdown, it, it gives you a little bit of a blunt way of just cutting out lineups that might be more duplicated. Um, the reason it's here is the default setting is we want people to kind of think about duplication. And we think if you're otherwise not thinking about getting duped at all, that's at least a step in the right direction. Uh, I think you could also go ahead if you wanted to is, you know, increase this up and then use other tools at your disposal to avoid duplication later in the process. That's actually typically what I do a little bit more. I am fine playing a maximum salary build if there's something about that lineup that I think makes it really unlikely for somebody to play it, right? Like sometimes, you know, you might find a max salary build that has a quarterback and the captain and a defense, the opposing defense elsewhere in the lineup. I think that lineup, even though it's max salary, is very unlikely to be played or features multiple running backs from the same team or, you know, different things like that. But I do think as a nice blunt force tool to avoid duplication, lowering your max salary is a good place to start. So, um, okay. Um, cool. Let's keep it going here. Keep answering some questions. Um, Rogue also, okay. So another question here, uh, and said, um, also just noticed that FanDuel defenses are allowed in showdown. It's as well. Thoughts on utilizing those for edge too. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I would say. I am not like more or less excited to play a defense other than like apart from how much I'm getting organically from the sim. Like I typically, I wouldn't say I'm very often going out and saying, oh, I like want to get defense. Uh, I also typically don't go out and try to avoid them most of the time, just because you're only going to get a defense in your portfolio at the rate at which that position is optimal in the sims themselves seems pretty good to me. Uh, the one exception is if I really want to flip the script of what the popular build is going to be. Uh, so on a night like 10, I guess, okay. So defenses don't have a ton of upside in general. So I'm rarely looking for reasons to get more of a defense as we get later into the season. And especially as the Thursday night showdown games uh, deteriorate in quality, right? Uh, if we, once we get into like November and December, we're, we're probably going to have some, some pretty crappy showdown games, like a nice um, Browns jets game or something like that later this season, those and with like a 41 and a half point total. When we get to those games, I think the defenses start to start looking a little bit over-owned to me. Uh, so I will start to fade defense a little bit more to try to get unique in those games a little bit more and hope that we get more of a shootouty type game script. There's not a lot of situations just because the upside is generally pretty limited where I'm going out of my way to find more defenses, more defense. And you can actually see that here, right? If you just look at something like the 95th percentile, uh, the defense is are generally priced up a little bit higher. We see 8K and 8,500 here uh, for tonight's slate on FanDuel. Their upside though is typically about the same as players that are much lower salary, that are skill position players, right? Like the upside of the Rams or the Bills defense is about the same as, uh, you know, James Cook, who is much cheaper, um, even somewhat comparable to, uh, you know, Tyler Higby, who is about the same price and actually has a much higher upside. Um, so typically... 
defenses are priced up relative to their actual raw scoring upside. And I don't like to get a ton of them. So, um, okay. Uh, okay. And then Terrell has a question here about advanced stacking. And says, uh, hey, Jordan, I've never used the advanced stacking for NFL. Can you explain uh, when slash if it would be necessary to use to get an edge? So I will say it is never necessary, first of all. I want to make that point entirely clear. Uh, the reason why is because Sabersim understands correlation right out of the gate, right? It's not just a simple kind of dumb optimizer, to be completely honest. we Since we have these game sims of each game on the slate, we know exactly how correlated players are to one another, right? We're not just saying... Mahomes is projected for 22.89 points and Travis Kelsey is projected for 18 points and they are, you have to decide if you want to use them together. No, we get that those players are correlated. So when you build your lineups without any stack rules at all on Saversim, you will get correlations automatically. Now, if you are opinionated about what types of lineup constructions you expect to see in your lineups, that is when you should use the advanced stacking rule. So if you say, hey, Jordan, uh, I want only QB plus two with one run back in every single one of my lineups. Saberson will build you correlated lineups in every lineup, but you're not going to get a QB plus two with one run back 100% of the time. If you want that, that is when you should set a stacking rule. So you could go in here and say something like QB plus two wide receivers or tight ends, and you get a wide receiver or tight end on the opposing side. Uh, you can also use this for things like secondary stacks. So I know sometimes people like to make sure that their running back is correlated with their defense. Again, this is something that Saversim will do automatically for you. But if you want it 100% of the time, you should do it with an advanced stacking rule. Here's what I recommend overall. My, my personal recommendation, this is what I actually do when it comes time to build my lineups. I find a nice middle ground where I like to set a guideline for Saversim to follow, but I don't set a very rigid stack. So what I typically end up doing most slates is I will say, I want a QB and between one to three pass catchers on that team in every lineup. Oops, not 13 pass catchers. That's probably a little bit too many. I don't think that's going to be optimal. One to three pass catchers. And I don't set a run back rule. And what this will do is I'll basically say, Saberson, I know I kind of want my lineups to look like a QB plus one two, three pass catchers. I know different teams use the tight end or the running back or different wide receivers differently in their offense. So you figure out what the strongest correlations there are and Saberson can figure out when it's appropriate to bring a bring back in. And I will run a build like this and I'll still leave correlation where it is because I still want to value that correlation data. And I feel like that's the best advice I can give is uh, I, I, I do have some opinions about stacks, right? I do at least want a QB plus one and I don't ever want to play a QB plus four but I'm not being super rigid here with the way that I'm approaching this in my builds. And that's what I'd recommend. So, cool. Okay. Um, I see Ruffle Up has a question here as well about stack uh, exposure. It looks like this is about baseball. So we will come back to that. I want to make sure I get to every football question here before we do uh, baseball questions, just because I think uh, people are focused here on the football today. Um, this question is from Phantom and it says, uh, does advanced stacking work for FanDuel single games on NFL? Try doing a QB plus one to two for the Rams and it gave me an error. It it might not. Uh, that's a good question here. Um, ooh, okay, let's, let's try. Um, it might, it might not work, but I will give you a, a better way of doing it anyway. So let's see, advanced. Okay, so I actually, no, I'm almost positive it's not going to work because these positions don't, yeah. So this is something we need to fix. Those positions don't really apply because technically the positions here are MVP and any flex, not QB, running back, wide receiver, et cetera. Here's what I would do instead. Uh, build your lineups. Whoops, let's get rid of that. Uh, we'll do it quickly here. Whoops. Um, I would use I would use exposures and filters a little bit more to get this done. So if you want, uh, it sounds like you always want a. It sounds like you always want a QB plus one to two. Okay, so we'll 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 talk about how to do this here. Um, we'll have to uh, we'll have to be a little bit flexible, but. So it sounds like basically you're saying you want to lock in Matt Stafford, right? And then always 
play one to two other players is kind of like what it sounds like. So a, a minimum of two Rams and always play Stafford. Uh, so what I would do is we'll first look at our stack constructions and we want to eliminate any builds where we don't have at least two Rams, right? So we'll eliminate buffs zero. So now we're always going to have two Rams in the build. And then what I would do is I would go through and figure out, I mean, it kind of depends on what you want your personal balance of MVP Stafford versus not MVP Stafford to be. But let's say you want, I don't know, 40% of your lineups to have Stafford as a MVP. You could set a minimum exposure there and then just make sure the other 60% of your lineups have Stafford as a flex, right? And now that's going to essentially accomplish that. We have 100% Stafford and he's always paired with at least one pass catcher, right? So I actually, I, as a, as kind of a side, I think best practice for NFL showdown, and I mentioned this a ton yesterday on stream, is to do as much as possible post-build, as much as possible in the build screen, because then you're working from a pool of unadjusted sims, right? You know that those lineups are optimal for at least one sim, whereas if you start messing around with build rules and stack rules and stuff like that ahead of the build, you're going to take a sim but then you're going to force a narrow box for the builder to build a lineup into, right? So you're saying, you know, even if the builder pulls out a sim where the, the bills win 31 to 10, you're saying force Stafford in and force in one other pass catcher into a lineup that doesn't necessarily, like into a sim that doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense for that to happen. Whereas here, when you do stuff post build, instead, you're just sorting through a pool of 500 lineups to find lineups that match. So you know that this lineup is actually truly optimal for at least one game sim. So um, anyway. Um, okay. Uh, Mark here uh, has a question. I have too much going on here now. I got Slack and I got Discord pulled up. Losing track of things. Mark says, how would you compare the strength of the NFL Sims versus the MLB Sims? MLB was Saber Sims first or strongest sport. Is that right? Definitely first. Um, maybe strongest for a while. I think we have a stellar NFL model. Uh, like, seriously, I, I think it is a top-of-the-line NFL model. And the most important thing to remember here, too, is like a lot of times people talk about that and you'll hear other sites be like, oh, our projections are super accurate, right? Like, we got the best NFL projections. And that really doesn't matter. Right, because what they don't have is a play-by-play -play accurate model game sim of the way football actually plays out on the field, and they don't have correlation data, and they don't have a lineup builder that can incorporate those things together. Right, so like, who cares if your average projections are good? Nobody wants averages anyway. Right, are are nobody is even if you play Matt Stafford at MVP tonight, you're not hoping for 17 points. Right, like nobody nobody cares about the average. What you need is a is really a sim that models the entire range of outcomes of what is possible in a football game. Uh, and that's what we have. And if you're interested in learning more about it, I'd go watch this video on our YouTube channel. I had Will and Eric on literally a day ago uh, talking all about how our Sims work uh, for football and why they are so valuable. So I'd definitely go check that out. But I think we have a very strong NFL model. Um, all right. Okay. Um, let's do this here. Um, let me go ahead. Let's get caught up. Let me look at some other, let me find some other football questions here from, uh, the office hours channel in Slack, and then we'll hop over to YouTube chat here. Um, rough them up. I know you have a question about these stack exposures. We'll get to them here in a bit. Um, I, I really want to focus on the, um, football stuff here first. So I want to touch on this. Matt answered this in Slack, but this is a really important thing to, uh, to note. And it, it basically summarizes what I was just talking about. So uh, this is from uh, Sooner Dallas. He said, I had a follow-up to something you said yesterday. Say I lock Josh Allen at captain, build 500 lineups. Am I getting 500 single-game sims based on Josh Allen captain outcomes? Or am I getting... 500 single game Sims and Josh Allen is the captain regardless of Sim outcome due to locking him in. Just want to make sure I'm not making bad decisions by locking him in. So if you lock Josh Allen at your captain spot and then run the build, 
you are taking random sims and then the builder is going to force josh allen as your captain regardless of the outcome of that sim which is why i recommend for showdown nfl showdown in particular doing as much as possible as you can after the build because then what you're doing is you're filtering lineups and pulling out lineups where that the construction you want is optimal anyway it is much much better if you look at me and then say well jordan i tried that but Saber Sim can't match my exposures in my 1500 lineups. That means there are not 20 or 150 lineups in your 1500 that match what you're trying to do. That actually, like, that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not possible, but it means it's not happening very frequently. And it might be a good sign maybe to back up, right? If we went over here and said, like, if we just started saying, okay, we're going to play, we're doing this on FanDuel here. We have 500 lineups. We're going to fade. Uh, we're going to be super aggressive with our fades at captain. We're going to fade Cup, uh, and we want to play Stafford, but we're also going to fade Diggs and Singletary and Robinson and Higby and Akers and Henderson. Actually, we're going to have to fade uh, Matt Stafford. Okay, eventually we're going to see this, right? And that's saying we we basically simmed the game 500 times and built you 500 lineups, and there's not 20 in here that match what you're trying to do. This, to me, in showdown more than anywhere else is a sign that you maybe are doing too much. So um, anyway, good question. Good one to touch on there. Um, and let's see. Let's go ahead here and jump to YouTube chat here real quick. Machine learning, learning machine. That's a cool name. Uh, said, could you demonstrate how the three sliders affect the outcome of showdown lineup? So if the sliders were 911, 191, and 119 affect 150 minimax entries. So I will say, first of all, for showdown in particular, I would, I would implore you, I would, I would beg that you build on 0010. Uh, the reason why is again, because this set of sliders, what this is going to do is this is going to take one random sim from our thousands of sims of the game and build the optimal lineup for that sim. And then do that however many times is in your pool size down here, 500 to 1500, whatever which is basically the exact goal of what we're trying to accomplish by playing showdown. If you wanted to, if you wanted to make one change here, I would say you, there's maybe an argument to slightly increase your ownership fade slider. If you are playing really large field contests, like maybe the Millie maker, because then maybe it makes sense to play lineups that are slightly more leveraged against ownership rather than just the SIM optimals. But this I think is by far the best sliders to use for showdown. Um, Regardless, like, regardless of that, what these actually, so I'll explain what the sliders actually do, because I think it will be useful for all slates. So we'll start down at the bottom because this is actually the most important one. So the sim precision slider controls how many simulations you're looking at on a per lineup level. So when it's at 10, we're using one sim to use as the projections to build every time we build a lineup. And as this goes down, we're using more sims to set the projections for each lineup. So at nine, you would take a bucket of ran three random sims and use the what player scored in those three sims before you build every single lineup. At one, you're using a bucket of 125 game sims and building the lineups from there. Um, so sim precision happens essentially first, chronologically speaking. The ownership fade ultimately works as basically a multiplier against that sim projection based on how high owned a player is. Uh, and this determines how big that multiplier is. So if you crank this up all the way to nine, like you mentioned, we'll take the sim bucket projections, right? We'll take the, the, the sims, but then adjust the output of those sims based on how high or low owned that player is. Correlation, essentially, uh, we'll add in the, app, the extra correlation, not the extra correlation. Correlation will adjust players' projections that are in the pool based on the players that have already been entered into the lineup. So if you put correlation up to four and the first player that gets entered into a lineup is Cooper Cup at captain, well, now maybe you're a little bit more likely to use Matt Stafford in the flex spot. And if you're sitting there and you're like, well, Jordan, that sounds like a good thing. Why, why don't I want to do that anyway? Well, the reason why we typically don't do that for showdown is because that correlation is already captured in the sim, right? In that lineup that you're getting where Cooper Cup is at the captain spot, it's not just random pure luck that he's there. It's because he was the optimal captain for a single game simulation. And if Cooper Cup had 200 yards, 12 catches, and two touchdowns, Matt Stafford is probably already going to be in the lineup. And if he's not, it's because he wasn't an optimal player for that particular set. 
Um, so that's that's kind of what the sliders do. That's a quick overview. Again, I would say for Showdown in particular, I, I would very, very highly suggest you build on 0010 and build with those sim optimals and only start changing sliders if there's something you don't like about your lineups. If you find that you want extra correlation or you want extra ownership fade, but I think those those builds are going to do a very good job from there. So uh Cody says football's back. I know the Max Challenge is back at it again this year. Is there a reward if you ship the Mini Mac Mini Max again this year? Uh Cody was one of our our shippers last year for the Max Challenge. Uh yes. Indeed, there is. Um, similar to last year, a couple changes. Well, first of all, a, a free year of Saberson, um, which is like over $1,000 of value. Pretty awesome there. Uh, the custom championship belt, which I know this is actually on the landing page, Cody, is your belt from last year, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so uh, nothing wrong with getting another one of those there. Um, and then this year, this is new. Well, actually, we're going to design a new section for the winner's circle. Uh, and there will be a dedicated spot on this page for people that win uh, the mini max during the weekly max challenge. So, uh, yes, very exciting there. Uh, school said, Hey Jordan, how can I get no QB stack, no bring back and no secondary stacks for cash lineups? Can you do a build and show me? Uh, yeah, be careful with that though. Right? Like you, so, okay. Like minimizing correlation is useful in cash only assuming that you basically can sacrifice no projection to get there, right? If you are sacrificing five points of average projection in your cash lineup, just to say you don't have a stack, that might not actually be optimal, right? Maybe it is more optimal to accept a little bit higher variance, uh, but also get a much higher projection. So here's what I would do. I would actually just build without any rules or anything like that. And I would just build using the cash settings. Um, and I would... Um, see what comes out here and look at the lineups and maybe just eliminate the lineups that have a stack. Uh, if in your top 40, or even you could even do top 100 or top 500 optimals, if you have zero lineups that don't have a stack, that's probably a good sign. Oh, what happened? Oh, I know what I, hang on, hang on. I got to reset everything. I have a bunch of rules still set here. Okay. Let's reset everything. Okay. So anyway, what I was saying, I would build the portfolio of, I think probably a hundred, this is 40 just for, for the sake of speed on the stream. I would probably build the first hundred cash lineups. And then you can go through and see like, can I get to a lineup that has lower correlation because it's unstacked without sacrificing a bunch of projection? And if you can't, I wouldn't force it. Um, but let's see, let's take a look. Like this week, you're probably like, I think it might make sense for a chief stack in cash. Um, but let's let's do this. Uh, hang on. Come on. Okay, here we go. Okay, so our top overall cash optimal. So at the moment, it actually is a no QB stack, but it does have Barkley and Giant and the Giants, which is a, a correlated build there. Um, if we... Um, but also the one other thing to note is that all of these have a one, like a secondary stack, right? You said no stack, secondary stacks as well. So this lineup has Dotson and Kirk. If we wanted to start eliminating secondary stacks, so in this case, there isn't a single lineup in our build that doesn't have a secondary stack. So in the first 40, 40 optimals, we always have the secondary stack. So I would say you're probably sacrificing too much projection to get rid of it, um, personally, is, is where my head's at. Now, if you really wanted to do it, and you said, Jordan, just tell me how to do it. Stop, stop giving me the advice. Uh, I would say you could go in here and do advanced stacking rules. So you would say, in this case, you're going to use a QB, but you're not going to stack with anybody else on the same team. Uh, and then what you're also going to do, actually, what I think you should do in this case is use the new rules. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, actually, I'm all over the place here. I think the easiest thing to do, we have a lot of different ways to do the same thing, which is something we want to actually get better at. But uh, I think the easiest thing to do would actually just be to say no more than one player from the same game. And that would actually take care of all of that all at once. Because then at max, one player from every game, right? You can't have you can't have any secondary correlations or any correlations at all because it's one player from the same game. But again, I think, I think that's going to hurt you more often than it's going to help you. Because there are, like there are situations, like, 
I, there are situations where you have a team with a 28 point total and two players are viable in cash. So Samuel said, Hey Jordan, just to follow up on what I was asking, let's say advanced stacking green Bay and Minnesota under edit teams. Will it still give me a bring back player, even though I uncheck Minnesota from that tab? Okay. I get you now. So yes, if we're going back and we're doing the advanced stacking tab. Yes. So yeah, I, I get it now. So you want, let's say you want a hundred percent green Bay, uh, QB plus two stacks with a bring back and you've gone in, oops, I messed that up. And you've gone in and done this and you're selecting only green Bay. So what this will do is you will get Aaron Rodgers in a hundred percent of your lineups. And there will always be a Vikings on the other side, even though there isn't the Vikings here, you'll always get a Viking on the other side, but you will have zero Kirk cousins lineups. So if you wanted this to go both ways, if you wanted like both sides of this game, then you should select both teams here, uh, there. So, uh, rogue three said for contest selection tonight, would you recommend fading the FanDuel 25 cent and five cents? It's a 300,000 entries and focus more on normal contests. I'm fading FanDuel completely for single game tonight. I just don't like it. I'm sorry. I wish I did. I thought about it. Uh, but it's it, two problems. One, there's only five players instead of six. And two, you don't have to pay more to roster a player at MVP. So the the number of viable lineups is so much smaller. And it's just so hard to win with a unique lineup. So I'm skipping it. Um, I would say, I think if I were playing it, I would probably lean a little bit more on playing smaller fields and maybe focusing more on the elevator contests uh, and playing way less of my bankroll. Like if I was going to play, I'd probably play like half a percent of my bankroll on FanDuel and focus really on single entries that are smaller fields where I think I can get a little bit more of an edge um, rather than playing some of those much bigger contests. I just, I, I think DraftKings sadly has the better NFL showdown project product at the moment. Um, I think, I think actually for basketball showdown, FanDuel's might be better where they have the three multiplier spots. Um, I don't know why they don't do that for NFL because I think it would be unique. Um, instead, it seems like they have like a very similar version to what DraftKings has, and it's just worse. So, um, but Skull's right. I do normally like larger contests because the player pool gets softer. But in this case, there's just so few profit. Like you can max the five cents on FanDuel, win, and have a losing slate because of how how likely you are to be duped. So. Uh, Skull says, does that mean if I change point projections and then hit build, the 1500 lineups won't be optimals from the Sims? Um, well, so, okay. When you start changing projections, it gets a little bit more interesting. They are in that case, they are still optimals from a Sim. They're just optimals with the point with the adjusted player projections from your projections. Right. So like, for example, if you change Pat Mahomes projection to 24.89, you increase him by two. You're still using the Chiefs Sims when you build lineups, the same the same Sims. But in this case, in every output of those Sims, Pat Mahomes' actual point production is now increased by two from what it was before. So actually, increasing changing projections is fine. It doesn't have as much of an effect on the Sim. Um, when you start to create rules, that is where, especially for Showdown, where I think you're interfering a little bit more because you're you're forcing the builder into a box, even if it doesn't fit that particular sim. So I, I would, I would worry less about the point projections. I think that's fine. So, uh, Patrick asked a good question. Care to dive in the Thursday to Monday slate in regard to late swap? Yeah. So I would say, so I covered late swap earlier in the stream for the Sunday main slate. That still applies. I would still do that. Uh, but for Thursday to, for Thursday to Monday, um, so, okay, trying to think about this. What I would probably do is I would just run a full late swap build of all of my lineups before Sunday. So I basically do my, I would still do my same NFL Sunday process, but for my Thursday to Monday slate, instead of building a, a build, I would just be late swapping a build that was already entered on Thursday. Um, so I was going to say that maybe if you want to get really min-maxi, maybe it makes sense to separate out the lineups that don't have a player already playing on the Thursday game and actually just build those as a new build. But I don't think that's, I don't think you get enough benefit out of that for how much time that would actually take. So what I would do is I would, I would enter your lineups on Thursday before lock. I would run a late swap before Sunday at lock. Then I would assess at the afternoon games if you need to swap again, and then assess before the Monday game if you need to swap again. Um, so 
that is what I would do. Um, okay, let's hop over here uh, to, um, I have one question via, or I have a couple questions that came in via email as well. So let me hit those real quick. Um, okay, so there are, th there are three questions here. So we'll just answer these uh, real quickly, back to back to back. Uh, okay, first one, how do you set rules to avoid tight end and flex spot? That is super easy. There is a checkbox for that. No tight end and flex if you if you so choose. Let's delete these so it's clear. Is this checkbox right here? Positions in flex, no tight end. Done deal. So that one's super easy. Keep in mind, I have to say it. You are only going to get double tight ends in your lineups at the rate at which they are optimal in the Sims. The reason typically people don't like two tight ends is because if you're building when you're on a, if you're building with average projections on a traditional optimizer, the optimizer doesn't understand upside. It's just giving you the best plays at a point per dollar level in every spot in the lineup, right? So if you get two tight ends, could just be because they fit salary wise. In Saber Sim, it means for that bucket of Sims that was actually optimal. There are a lot of talented tight ends in the league. I played some lineups last year that I thought were super unique and that I really liked that were like an elite tight end and a very well-priced punt tight end. I did sometimes double elite tight ends. I did some Kelsey plus Andrews builds last year that I think were just super uncommon. But if you want to, it's right there. So, uh, and then, okay, question two. Uh, what is the statistically best strategy for QB plus one or two pass catchers and one bring back or opposing team player? Any data from the past? Um, so again, what I typically, what I do is I let SaberSim handle most of my stack sizing. The correlation data does a really good job of just figuring out how, what the right size stack is for each team on the slate and how, how the correlations play together. But I do like to set one general rule here to say um, a QB plus one to three pass catchers, oops, is what I typically like to do. But I would actually even go one step further here. And I would say before you even start doing this, like before you're like, oh, Jordan said to do that on stream. So I'm going to do that. I would actually just build one without it, right? So I would start here. Actually, let's just do this real quickly here. This is this is what I think you should do every single time you sit down to build your lineups with Saberson. Is start with a test build and don't change anything, right? Let me actually do this too. Let's just reset everything. Don't change anything. And if you see something in your exposures or your stack constructions that you don't like or you don't understand, before you just discount it, go look at it and then see if it makes sense. Because there's there's other things, because because we're using the Sims to do this, right? I was talking about this yesterday with our, our partners over at TrueDFS, actually. And one of the things I mentioned is that, yeah, like you might get some QB plus three builds, which I think sometimes people are like, eh, I don't like QB plus three. Go look at the teams that you have for a QB plus three. And what I'm willing to bet is that they're going to be mostly teams that have very good quarterbacks, a lot of good pass catching options, and probably a high total. A team that is most likely to be the team to get there with a QB plus three. And maybe you see I have a couple QB plus ones. And you're thinking, hey, I don't like QB plus one, right? Well, go look at the teams that have a QB plus one. It's probably going to be a cheaper stack right? Where maybe you're playing a cheaper QB plus the number one like alpha wide receiver and getting a lot of extra money to pay elsewhere, or it's a rushing quarterback, right? Maybe you're, maybe it's Lamar Jackson uh, plus Rashad Bateman. And all, all that stack needs to be successful is for maybe Bateman to catch two touchdowns from Lamar and for him to tear it up on the ground, right? Because the Sims, because the Sims are powering everything behind the scenes here, Nothing happens by luck, right? You're not, or nothing, nothing happens by pure chance when it comes to building your lineups. There's always intention behind it. So if we come over here again, right, and look, let's look at our QB plus three. So we actually do have a lot of QB plus threes, right? Quite a bit. But what are the what are those QB plus three constructions, right? Where are those coming from, right? Okay, so in this case, we actually do have a, a Trevor Lawrence QB plus three. And maybe that's an opportunity where you say, okay, I don't like that. Now I'm going to go eliminate that in a stack world. But we have Patrick Mahomes with Sky Moore, Kelsey, and Juju. Makes sense to me. Um, okay, it seems like I would say, seems like maybe we're a little high on the Jaguars just at the moment. Uh, that will that that will probably end up coming down a little bit as we get closer to Sunday. But that the point I'm trying to make is still there. And and maybe what you end up doing then is you end up maybe you say, hey, Jordan, I get what you were saying on the on the stream, but I'm not bought in there. And you come in here and look and you do this, right? But my point, the, the broader point I was trying to make is just like, give it a chance, right? Before you go in and set rules every slate. So 
looks like we're a little high on the Jags. We are still kind of running some final like updates and things like that. Um, especially for Sunday, I would say we're, we're getting pretty dialed in for, uh, the main slate outside of, uh, for, for the showdown tonight, but we are still running some final updates for Sunday. We, we might just be a little high on that game. So, um, all right. Okay. And then, uh, there was another question. Has the data, uh, has this already been covered? Have the sliders been updated for Sunday? Uh, yes, they have. We have re back tested the sliders here, um, for basically for, for, for what we have found in our backtesting project. Um, Danny makes a really good point and says, uh, I watched the behind the Sims and I remember hearing large field Sims were not optimized yet. Uh, but I remember hearing that high, hearing setting at the high would make the Sims go haywire. So, okay. So I would say in general that the, the sliders are in a very good spot for Sunday. They have been re-optimized and re-backtested for NFL. Now, because of the way that the dropdowns are currently set up, most of the contests that you're going to play are all above 50K entrance. And there's a big spectrum from there, right? There's contests that are about 50K and there's contests that are 150K and there's contests that are 500K, right? What I would probably recommend is while we're working on and backtesting these further, I would recommend kind of looking, look at the trend as a contest gets bigger. So if you're playing, let's say you're playing the Minimax, which is 250,000 entrants, right? At 10,000, it's 426, then it's 437, then it's 448. What I would probably do is increase a little bit, maybe higher here to account for the fact that the contest is like much bigger than 50K, 550K. Um, I think if you just use the defaults, that's also totally fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think for me, we haven't really had a chance to really dive into an, a deep NFL, super large field slider back test. So like a far and above 50,000. And I think if you're playing really big contests like the Millie Maker or anything above like 200,000 lineups, I think increasing the sliders just a tad further might actually be a good idea. So um, could be Travis says, when is the last sim update generally for Thursday night football? It will be when the inactives report comes out, which is 90 minutes before the game starts. So probably like uh, six, six, ish Eastern time. Um, and then we'll run a final SIM and there'll be an alert for that SIM running in discord. So, um, and then our SIMs will be final. So, uh, cool. Okay. Let's do this here. Uh, I think we are caught up on questions here. There was a question from Nipsey about showing off the new stacking tools and it's a good time for us to finally get back to, um, rough them up and answer this question. Honestly, guys, I think there's a, I think there's just maybe a little bit of a bug here that we need to fix, but we're going to try to do this here real quickly. Um, and then this will be the last question for the stream here today. Uh, so this one says, I'd like for you to show how the new stack exposure works. I tried it tonight. It didn't seem to be working properly. So I limited my five man stacks to get four teams using the old way and then went to the new stack teams feature. After hitting the down arrow on those four teams, I put 10% max combo for each secondary team. However, after the build, it was all over the place and didn't seem to follow the rules. Okay, so let's talk about how we might go about doing this here as best we can for yesterday's slate. Um, one thing to be aware of is... I'm not sure how well the old stack tools are communicating with the new ones. So it might be a little bit better if you just, the old stack tools are ultimately going away is the short answer. Um, and they will always be these, but for now there's both because we didn't want to mess anybody up right before the start of the season. So I think what I would actually end up doing here is if you wanted to do this is, so let's say you're playing five stacks only and you're, so here's what I would do. Okay. So let's do, we're only going to play five stacks. I'm going to try to hypothetically recreate what you're doing. So only playing five stacks, right? Um, and so we're, that, that's step one. And then we only want stacks, five stacks of the teams that we've chosen. So let's just pick some high total teams. We'll do Houston, Cleveland, Cardinals, and Padres. So Houston, Cleveland, Cardinals, and Padres, right? So those are only five stacks. And then what we'll do is hang on, I'm trying to think about how to piece this together in my head here. 
Um, okay, actually, so I, I'm learning this too, guys. So be patient with me here. Um, so actually what I think I would do so that you can use those secondary stacks is do, do it this way and do Houston and do a minimum of five players, Cardinals, minimum of five players, Cleveland, minimum of five, and San Diego, and do a minimum of five. I think this would work. Um, and then if you wanted to go in here and say, oh, they're not selected though. Oh yeah, no, there we go, 10%. So I think you'd have to go in and select no more than 10% here. I think like this. Um, let's just try this with one team and see if this kind of works. So what we'll do, just so I don't take up everybody's time here while I'm just pressing these buttons here, let's let's just try it with just, so what we'll do is we're gonna try to stack St. Louis, um, but with every team and no more than 10% of every other team. And actually let's get rid of the five zero stack as well so that we make sure we're getting those correctly. Okay, so we have this and uh, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, oops. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Okay. Okay, let's give this a try and see what happens here. Um, so I think this is the way to do this here. Um, the, the, so to be completely honest that, oh, it's not going to work. Is it interesting? I wonder why it didn't work. I might need to mess with this a little bit more. Um, I would say, um, the problem is, is there's not validation here built yet. Um, so basically like there is a, you, it can be broken. Um, and I think there's probably a limitation that I've put in here that it doesn't like. Um, but I will mess with this a little bit more. Um, honestly, I know a lot of excitement about football right now. Um, I think, oh, maybe that's all I needed to do. That seemed to work. Oh no, it didn't work. Um, Lot, lot, a lot of excitement about football right now. The, the stack features are brand new. Um, I will try to get a little bit more familiarized here with these over the next couple of days and over the weekend. And then maybe on Monday we can do, I know people have been asking for it. I can do maybe kind of a better uh, walkthrough of like how to actually use these while I get a little bit more familiarized. Um, so sorry about that. But anyway, um, let me go ahead and see here. Um, if there's uh, some other questions here coming in that we can get before we jump off. Um, Eamon says, uh, what's up? Uh, can you explain the stack types for NFL? Uh, for example, QB plus zero to two. So yeah, so let's um, let's pull up a build and talk about this. So basically uh, the way that the stack type like notation works is it is QB plus number of pass catchers on the QB's team. And then the line and then other players on the other side, right? So if we go back here, so a QB plus two, line one means there's QB plus two pass catchers plus one player on the opposing team is how that works, right? Um, a QB plus three means QB plus three pass catchers with no run back on the team. Uh, if there's no QB, it means that it's referring to, not, there's not a QB in the stack, right? And to be clear, this, this does this is not mutually exclusive. So this does not mean there's no QB stack in the lineup, but this means in the one one stack, there's no QB. So for example, in this build, right, this is a QB plus one with one run back, right? But it also has the secondary stack of the one one here uh, in the form of Christian Kirk and Jahan Dotson, right? You see that? So it's it's Jalen Hurts plus AJ Brown with Amon Ra on the run back, but also Jahan Dotson and Christian Kirk on the other side. So that's kind of the notation there. So Um, but cool. Um, okay. 
Let's see. Jim says, uh, did you do the NFL profit video like you have for MLB? I haven't done a separate one for it yet. I would say the the framework that I laid out in the MLB video still applies for base um, for NFL pretty well. So I would just, if you go back through the steps, there's a slide on there that's like the steps to entering. You can follow that and still apply it for NFL and it'll work pretty well. Um, I do want to get a video out early in the NFL season that is a little bit more NFL specific there. So. Uh, Rogue says, I may have missed this. Why is the run back important to the opposite team? I feel like that's very game specific and not optimal. I would agree. I think it is very game specific. In a general sense, why does it actually matter? Because the opposing pass catchers generally have a small correlation to the opposing team quarterback, right? Jahan Dotson is slightly uh, correlated to Trevor Lawrence because the situations where Jahan Dotson is hitting his ceiling game is when the commanders are incentivized to throw a lot which is also generally when Jacksonville is having success moving the ball and scoring their own, right? Um, especially, I think you'll see those correlations get a little bit higher in games that just have very high totals, right? Like if we go look at, um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, is going to have, actually, so in this case, maybe less so. Um, let's look at like maybe Rondale Moore is a good example. Actually, they all have about kind of a similar correlation. There's about a 0.05 to, I would say, a 0.10 correlation between opposing wide receivers and same team quarterback. Um, so that's that's basically why it's there. Yep, Rogue says it's essentially hoping for a shootout. Yeah, you got it. Could be Travis says, if I'm not getting as much secondary correlation as I would want intuitively, do you suggest forcing it through in a run back through stack rules or adjusting the correlation slider? I think what the best advice I would give there is I would set, I would increase the correlation slider to something like six. And then what I would do is I would set a stacking rule that determines your main stack. So I would do if you I would do something like this would work pretty well if you do say one to two here. So the main reason what happens if you turn a correlation really high, you get a you get really big primary stacks, but you also get a lot of secondary stacks. If you want a very if you want a lot of secondary stacks, what I would do instead is set correlation a little bit higher, but then limit how big that primary stack can get with a stack rule. Um, this kind of build will typically, if you, especially if you have correlation up at like six, you'll get a ton of secondary stacks. So, all right, cool. All right. I think we are all caught up on questions here. I have to run right now, uh, but I will be right back again tomorrow for another office hours before the end of the week. Uh, the whole team as well will be around in Discord uh, and Slack helping out answering questions here as we get closer to uh, the first NFL game of the season. So looking forward to that. So if you have any questions, fire away at us in chat. A uh, couple final notes. Don't forget to get registered for the weekly max challenge. There's a link in discord and at the top of this stream. And if you haven't already made the move from Slack to the new discord channel, do that as well. We will slowly be moving everything over to discord before the end of next week. So uh, enjoy the game tonight. Have fun. Uh, looking forward to it myself. And I will be right back here again tomorrow. See ya.